did a little counting recently. You know whose name is mentioned in the Bible more than anybody else's? Who would you guess? Whose name is mentioned in the Bible more than anybody else? Israel. Israel is mentioned more than anybody else, and I, I'm sure that's because there are so many frequent references to the children of Israel and so forth. You know who's second? Jesus. I don't think that's probably a big surprise. I, I was surprised to know that, I hadn't really thought about it, but I was a little surprised to know that Israel was number one. Jesus, number two, not too surprising at all. You know who's number three? Number three, Moses. Moses is mentioned third most often in the Scripture. There's a lot of information about Moses. A while back, I was given an assignment to write an article for a religious journal, and they asked me to write lessons from the life of Moses, two and a half pages double-spaced. I don't know, how are you going to get all that in there? Two and a half pages double-spaced. How are you going to summarize the life of Moses in two and a half pages double-spaced? I thought that was a pretty daunting challenge. But what I finally decided to do was to hit on the highlights of Moses' life that an inspired writer chose to write about. And that's what led me to the text that Lee read for us earlier from Hebrews chapter 11, where in that famous chapter that talks about faith, Moses is mentioned, and I think the inspired writer here gives us very appropriate highlights to the life of Moses. Read that with me again. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child, and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasure of sins for, sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, which the Egyptians are saying to do, were drowned. The key expression that I want to draw your attention to in all of this is that Moses lived by faith. Did you notice how often faith is mentioned here? By faith, by faith, through faith, by faith, it mentions that Moses did these things. And so our lesson this morning about Moses is simply to emphasize that. Moses lived by faith. And we'll keep referring to that text in Hebrews 11. Verses 23 through 29, you may want to just keep your Bibles open there, but we're going to have it on the screen several times, to draw some lessons from this inspired summary of the life of Moses. We stop here for just a minute to thank you all for being here. We're so glad that you are here to join together in worshiping God. Above all else that we have come to do today, our prayer is that he will be glorified by our time together. That's our principal ambition. We certainly hope that that will be accomplished. But also we hope that all of us will be taught, instructed, edified, encouraged, built up in spiritual things. We hope we can accomplish that too. We've got a number of visitors with us today. We're so glad that you've come our way. We appreciate you for being here. Uh, we certainly want to invite you back every time you have a chance to be here. And we're always open to questions that you might have about a Bible subject or about the work we're doing here at College View. If there's any way at all that we can be of assistance to you, please let us know. Let's talk about Moses. 
The first thing that I would point out from our text in Hebrews chapter 11 comes from verse 23 when actually it's not talking about Moses at all. It's talking about his parents when he was born. Well, Moses wasn't doing anything on his own volition when he was born, but it talks about being hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a prophet. They were not afraid of the king's commandments. And so someone might object, I thought you were going to be talking about Moses. This is talking about his parents, obviously, right? But his Moses' personal faith, I think, uh, was certainly affected by the parents who raised him up. Do you remember how bad it was in Egypt in the time that Moses was born? If you look in the book of Exodus, in the very first chapter, we read about how oppressed the children of Israel were, and that would have included Moses' parents. In Exodus chapter 1, at verse 15, the king of Egypt spake to the Hebrew midwives, of which the name of one was Ziphrah and the name of the other Puah, and he said, when you do the office of midwife to the Hebrew women and see them upon the stools, if it be a son, then you shall kill him. But if it be a daughter, then she shall live. And so the instruction was, I want all the boy babies killed. That's how bad it was in Egypt at that time. That, that was the circumstance into which Moses was born. That was the circumstance that Moses' parents were dealing with. Notice, but they were not afraid of the king's commandment. In chapter 2 of Exodus, verse 1, and there went a man of the home of, of the house of Levi and took a wife, a daughter of Levi, and the woman conceived and bare a son, and when she saw him that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. So that's what the Hebrew writer is referring to here. But that's really bad, right? How would you have felt if you lived under an oppressive government that said, kill your boy babies, just as soon as they're born, you see they're a boy, I want them killed. And don't you believe, although the text doesn't specify, don't you believe that there was likely a very harsh penalty for any parents who didn't do that? Uh, this was a very harsh regime. The Israelites were already a slave people to the Egyptians. Do you believe that if you were found out to have not done what the king said to do with your boy babies, don't you think you would have been subject to a very harsh penalty too? But Moses' parents were people of faith. Notice, this is saying, by faith Moses, when he was born. Well, that's not Moses' faith, right? This faith has to be the faith of his parents. The faith of his parents who were not afraid of the king's commandment. Surely, the great faith that we see later in Moses was due in large part to what he first witnessed in his own parents. I think parents of today, those of us who are parents, those of us who are grandparents, we need to realize the powerful influence that we have over children, even our very tiny children, we have great influence for good or bad. You know, we might even say it like this, we will have more men like Moses when we have more parents who were like Moses' parents were. They understood the important responsibility of raising children and the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. And they knew very well the principle set forth in Acts chapter 5, verse 29, we ought to obey God rather than men. And so Moses' parents were people of great faith, and they instilled in Moses, or at least they were contributing to the great faith, I think, that he would manifest later in his life. And so our first observation about Moses is that this was faith 
that had not just originated in him, but had also been seen prior to his, in, in the life of his parents. I think the text goes on to tell us that certainly Moses had a spiritual perspective on life. I want to keep going back to this text, but I want there's several things here that I want to draw your attention to that the inspired writer mentioned. Now, again, we're talking about highlights from the life of Moses. One of the things that we see is that he um, was raised, he came to he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with people God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Let's draw attention right here to the pleasures of sin for a season. I want to suggest to you that Moses, as he had been raised in Pharaoh's household, you remember the story, we won't go into detail, but he was found as a baby by Pharaoh's daughter. He was raised as her own son. We would say then that he was like an adopted grandson to Pharaoh. Being as such, he had the privilege of all the things that could have been offered in Egypt. The Pharaohs, we even know this from secular history, the Pharaohs lived in, 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 in opulence. They had great treasures. It was, a, it was a very wealthy nation in that time. And effectively, Moses, as being a part of the king's family, would have been in a position to enjoy anything that he chose to enjoy. So when it talks about the pleasures of sin for a season, that's, that's not just a, a mild or light statement. Moses was in a position to have whatever he wanted, whatever pleasures he desired he could have. But he chose against that. We use this statement pretty often to emphasize that there are pleasures to sin. We make a mistake when we suggest that there are no pleasures associated with sin. There are pleasures associated with sin. That's, that is the effective temptation to sin. There are pleasures associated with sin. But, of course, this text emphasizes only for a season. They're temporary. They won't last. Moses had the good sense to realize that. He had the spiritual perspective to be able to comprehend anything that might be offered to me as a part of Pharaoh's family, any of the pleasures of sin that I could acquire or have for myself, they're only temporary. They're not going to last. I want to tell you, that takes a real spiritual perspective on life, right? To be able to sense that. In, in, in the moment when you could have anything you want, say, no, I realize that's just temporary. I'm going to do something else. That's a real, that's a real challenge to spiritual maturity. It is the challenge that we face in our lives too, is it not? We live, in the, we live in a time of incredible abundance and material prosperity and benefits. And it's, it's real temptation for us not to be distracted by all that the world has to offer that we are in position to enjoy. It's hard for us. And we've got to work to be more like Moses and keep this spiritual perspective say, anything this world has to offer is just temporary. I'm not going to go that way. I'm going to forsake that in favor of something else. Again, I think Moses could certainly have a, a, the good sense and spiritual perspective to see these things. He, it, says, it goes on to say, he esteemed the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasure of Egypt. Boy, that's something. Spiritual things were greater. They were greater riches. They're more valuable. Spiritual things are more valuable. He had respect to the recompense of the reward. 
the long-term reward, the goal of going to heaven when this life is over, is more valuable than the, all the riches that the world may offer. Jesus asked in Matthew 8, verse 36, what's a man profit if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Mark 8, verse 36. There's, if you could gain the whole world and you traded your soul for that, you'd be making a miserable uh, trade-off. And so, uh, again, Moses could see that. Moses could make a determination on that. He forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. He endured as seeing him who is invisible. I want, we're going to go back here in a minute, but I want to especially draw your attention. Seeing him who is invisible. That goes to this spiritual perspective that I think Moses had. Later in the life of Moses, in Exodus chapter 33, we won't go there, but uh, you may remember that Moses requested and was granted the privilege of seeing the backside of God as he was in the cleft of the rock, you remember, and the Lord passed by, and he saw the, the, the back of God but not his face. Really a unique circumstance there, and it even leaves some questions that I think we, we don't have all the answers to. This is not talking about that when it says that he could see him who is invisible. I don't think this has reference to that at all. I think the seeing here that is mentioned is this spiritual perspective that he had on life. He could see that there are things more valuable than the momentary pleasures of sin, material benefits that this life might have to offer. He was able to see that. Um, and so again... He, he knew there was a greater reward. He could see him who is invisible. And that affected his decisions and his choices. So, again, I would emphasize to you, this living by faith that Moses did has in mind this spiritual perspective that he constantly kept before him. From our text in Hebrews chapter 11, I think we can point out that saving faith has always produced action. And this is a real simple exercise, but if you go through this passage that we're studying this morning, if you just notice the verbs of action that describe Moses, and we already highlighted here how many times it mentions that he acted in faith or he lived by faith, but his faith was put into action. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to suffer affliction with the people of God. Uh, he had respect to the recompense of the Lord by faith. He forsook Moses. He kept the Passover. Uh, he passed through the Red Sea. There's just a lot, of, there's a lot of action in those verses. And so, this is a whole chapter really that's talking about faith. Interestingly, throughout the whole chapter, as you well know, all the people who are mentioned as heroes of faith, it talks about what they did. Faith, what they did. And Moses is no exception. Moses lived by faith. His faith was evidenced or manifested by what he did. And that's a lesson we have to learn. Sadly, a lot of people in our religious world today do not appreciate that linkage. Because we hear a whole lot of people talking about faith and saved by faith. We believe we're saved by faith. But saving faith is always a faith that puts us to work, puts us into action. And we see that clearly uh, in the case of Moses. And we might even ask the simple question this morning. Do you believe? Do you have faith? Will you put it to work? Will you put it into action? 
Is your faith obvious by what you do? Moses, like lots of other great heroes of faith, demonstrates that to us, and we need to learn the lesson. So from Moses, and a highlight of his life, is the activity that his faith provoked in him, and it must do so in us. In verse 28, we see that Moses' faith understood that when God tells you something, it needs to be done, and it needs to be done just exactly like God said. I want to draw your attention here especially to keeping the Passover. Now, this was the first episode that relates to the long-standing observance of the Passover that we read throughout the Bible. But I want you to go back with me in Exodus chapter 12. You remember what the Passover commemorated. It commemorated this event in Exodus chapter 12. Begin reading with me at verse 3. Exodus 12 and verse 3. Speak ye unto the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of the month they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats. You shall keep it up until the fourteenth day of the same month. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts, on the upper doorpost of the houses wherein they shall eat it. And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast it with fire and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Eat not of it raw, nor sodden at all with water, but roast it with fire, his head and his legs, and with the pertinence thereof. And ye shall not let anything remain until the morning. And that which remaineth of it uh, until the morning ye shall burn with fire." And thus ye shall eat it with your loins girded, with your shoes on your feet, with a staff in your hand. Ye shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, and I will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now you know that story. The, the Passover as the angel of the Lord passed over Egypt. And if, if you had the blood of the lamb on the doorpost and lintel of your house, the angel would pass over. But if you didn't, then the firstborn in your household would die. Okay, so you're Moses. What are you going to do? Well, there's, there's, it, you know, this is quite specified here. It, it talks about it being a lamb. I, couldn't I use a different animal? You know, couldn't I use a different animal than a lamb? And it has to be a male of the first year without blood. Hey, this is one of my finest animals, in fact. This, this one-year-old male without blemish has great potential for my herd, my flock. I, I got some other sort of cull animals that I could offer instead. Wouldn't it be okay if I just took one of these cull animals that's not much good for anything else and do that? And this business about painting blood on the doorpost, it seems a little extreme just kind of a little extreme to me. It doesn't even make sense to me why you would want to do a thing like that. I'm, I'm not going to do that. That just seems too much. If you were in Moses' shoes, would you have chosen to quibble about the requirements of compliance about the Passover? One of the things that Moses did, through faith, he kept the Passover. 
the sprinkling of the blood, lest the, he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. Would you quibble about the requirements or would you comply? Well, I think all of us can say Moses, Moses was certainly thinking correctly when he did just exactly like the Lord's command was given, right? And everybody else in Israel too, by the, by the way, would not have quibbled with the requirements and would have kept that just as God instructed. Why would we be different from that? Why, why would it be different for us? Why could we say the God who required this strict compliance in the case of the story of Moses, and Moses' faith was demonstrated in his strict compliance to what God said, why would this same God be different today to be a God that doesn't care? The details are not important. Do anything you want. Do it any way you want. God just doesn't care. How could we reach that conclusion? Moses here is being held up as an example for us. And Moses' example is telling us God's law demands strict compliance. We need to learn that lesson. We need to understand that Jesus is the author of eternal salvation to all them that obey him. Hebrews chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. We need to obey. We need to understand that true faith is a faith that acts and acts in strict compliance with the things that God has told us to do. Moses teaches us that. And then finally, the Hebrew writer, and I get this, the Hebrew writer is, is throwing out here highlights from the life of Moses. There's a lot about Moses. He's mentioned in the Bible almost more than anybody else. Only exception, Israel and Jesus are mentioned more than Moses. There's a lot to know about Moses. The Hebrew writer here is sort of giving us the thumbnail sketch of his life. What are highlights of the life of Moses? And one of the highlights that he points out involves a great act of trust and confidence when it talks about, again, by faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land. Again, you know this part of the story, but let's just, let's just read just very briefly from Exodus chapter 14. In Exodus chapter 14, at verse 21, Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon the dry ground, and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. Skip down to verse 27. In verse 27, Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to his strength when the morning appeared, and the Egyptians fled against it, and the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea, and the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen and all the hosts of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them. There remained not so much as one of them. So, there was a lot of water there. You've heard that story about the, the professor who was arguing that this, this was a shallow section of the Red Sea. It was nothing more basically than a swampy marsh. It wasn't more than six inches of water there in the Red Sea. And this is no great feat. Uh, and, and the little boy in the class raised his hand. Well, I'm going to praise God for the greater miracle. And the professor said, I just told you that this was just a, a, a swamp, a marsh, six inches of water. And the student said, yeah, but I'm praising God that he could drown the whole Egyptian army in six inches of water. Obviously, this was big water, right? This was big water where they crossed the Red Sea. I'm going to ask you. So Moses puts forth the staff in his hand. The water divides. But there's a wall of water on each side of you here. Don't you think it takes a lot of trust and confidence in God to launch out 
to walk down into that valley between the walls of water, to walk across that Red Sea, thinking about the fact that at any moment the walls of water could come crashing in. They did later on the Egyptian army and drowned them all. Certainly a great act of trust and confidence there. Uh, we need to have that kind of faith and confidence in God as well. And so we see a lot here about Moses. Moses, a man of faith. Moses lived by faith. It was a long time ago. Moses lived a long time ago, over 3,000 years ago. 3,500 years ago, Moses lived. But I'll tell you, the, the, the lessons from his life are pertinent to us today, still yet. And I hope that we can be encouraged as we think about how we should be living our lives and what we should be doing, that we draw encouragement from great heroes of faith like the man Moses. What's your situation this morning? Are you right with God? Is your life right with God? Have you got that spiritual perspective on things that says nothing else matters? Nothing else this world has to offer. Nothing else that I might involve myself in can even hold a candle in importance to doing the will of God in my life. Moses could see that. We've got to be able to see that. Will you, as Moses did, will you have respect to the recompense of the reward? Will you consider the reward of heaven is more important than anything else here on earth? Will you live for God? If you're not yet a Christian, we hope you'll make that decision. Hearing the truth, believe it, repent of your sins, confess your faith in Jesus, be baptized for the remission of sins. If you're a Christian already, but you've kind of lost that sense of direction and you haven't stayed focused on doing the will of God in your life, come back to Him in repentance, confession, and prayer. If we can help, let us know while we stand and sing this song.